This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. August 5th, 2021, a great day here in the Northeast. Had some rain overnight. Not enough. Was, uh, not enough. We, we needed some more, but uh, we'll take what we can get. And uh, some happy times. If you're a Red Sox fan last night, the, the five-game losing streak, their longest of the season, is over. Uh, as they beat the Detroit Tigers. We'll get into that uh, in just a minute. I want to start this morning with some uh, uh, kind of sad news, I guess. Uh, the Red Sox announced uh, that Jerry Remy is stepping away from broadcasting games uh, for uh, an indefinite period of time as he undergoes cancer treatment once again. Uh, Jerry was first diagnosed with uh, lung cancer back in 2008, and I believe this is the fourth time now uh, that it has come back, so he will be gone. He's 68 years old, uh, and, uh, you know, he is a big part of these broadcasts. Now, Dennis Eckersley has become quite the character, and everybody enjoys listening to him on the broadcast, but uh, Jerry Remy, uh, a Massachusetts guy and a guy that... uh, has become part of the fabric, the sports fabric of New England. Um, you know, and all you can do is wish him well. Uh, I had a chance to uh, to talk to Jerry many times over the years uh, when I was working uh, for Major League Baseball at Fenway Park. And uh, great guy, you know. I mean, <laughs> a little cranky at times, uh, but really uh, a great guy. Funny, uh, and he and Eck uh, have been great in the three-man booth uh, doing Sox games. So, uh, we're going to miss him. And, uh, Oh, uh, again, I, I, hopefully, uh, it'll all will go well. I lost my dad to lung cancer. I know how bad, uh, it can be. My dad didn't get four chances. My dad got one and he got it and it killed him. And uh, hopefully for Jerry, you know, the fact that he is getting regular tests and he had that scare not long ago, um, a few weeks ago where he had trouble breathing and had to be, uh, uh, had, they had to get the EMTs in there, and they took them to the hospital, spent a couple of days there. And I'm wondering if that's when this first got picked up and they just now announced it. But uh, anyway, so uh, keep your fingers crossed for uh, Jerry Remy. Hopefully uh, he's going to be fine. Uh, some Olympic news this morning. The U.S. men's basketball team defeated Australia 97-78. to Sounds like a blowout, but it really wasn't. Uh, the U.S., well, it was, but the U.S. got down 15 early you know and they kind of knew they said you know we just somehow knew going into this game that they were gonna punch us in the mouth and we were gonna have to respond and the U.S. certainly did that Kevin Durant with 23 points uh Devin Booker had 20 and uh the U.S. wins by 19 but it was um, a bit of a struggle at first they missed their first 10 three-point attempts didn't hit their first one till late in the second quarter um but uh you know look 
it, it was a an important win for the U.S. Of course, they lost uh, their opener in the Olympics to the French, eighty three to seventy six. They may get another chance at the French. We shall see. They are going to be playing, I believe, it's Slovenia, uh, and the winner of that game will take on the U.S. in the gold medal game. Uh, but when Kevin Durant plays well, and then you get Devin Booker draining threes, uh, it's uh, it's a good sign for the U.S. So um, hopefully all is right with the world and everybody can relax and everybody can stop wanting to uh, to hang uh, Greg Popovich. You know, he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Uh, you know, he's, he's a bit of a free spirit for sure, uh, but he's a great coach. And all of a sudden, if you uh, listen to social media, he became a moron overnight. So uh, hopefully this will help him uh, <laughs> redeem himself in the eyes of the social media. Not that he spends an awful lot of time worrying about that, uh, but uh, uh, a good bounce back for the U.S. men's basketball team after getting down 15 last night and with an easy victory. Uh, U.S. with a... Uh, Another victory over Australia yesterday, and, or, and actually it was uh, this morning, as the U.S. women's soccer team defeated Australia in the bronze medal game 4-3. to three. Megan Rapinoe, Carly Lloyd, two of the senior citizens, as it were, of the uh, uh, women's Olympic soccer team, two goals apiece. Uh, you know, it's fun. I, I laugh about this when you talk about how, you know, that they're old. Like, Carly Lloyd is 39 years old. She's probably playing her last major tournament for the United States, and she finishes up with two goals. Uh, great for her. But I'm thinking 39, and she's considered old. I'm thinking, Jesus, <laughs> she's she's young enough to be my kid, and yet we're talking about her being like this ancient thing. Uh, but Rapino scored one of her goals right off of a corner kick. Just uh, took the corner kick. It's called an Olympico. I didn't know that, by the way. It's something I learned uh, this morning. Uh, when you When you hit it in right from the corner kick. It doesn't touch anybody, but but it bends into the goal. It's called an Olympico. So she had that one um, in the eighth minute. So very quickly, and then Australia tied it up in the 17th minute. Sam Kerr with a goal. Um, and uh, by the way, she became the all-time leading scorer for the Australians with 48 career goals. Uh, and she actually led all scorers that are left in the Olympic tournament with uh, six goals. Um, the one note for the U.S. in this one, and, you know, they had a 4-1 lead. They ended up winning at 4-3. They were playing with their backup keeper again. Uh, Adriana Franch had to uh, be in goal again for the United States women as Alyssa Nyer, uh, who was so great in that penalty kick victory over the Netherlands, got hurt uh, in the next game in the semifinals uh, early and had to leave and uh, injured her knee. She was not able to go in this one, so Franch got to start and... Uh, the hangs on as the U.S. wins at 4-3. Uh, so it's the second straight Olympics, by the way. The U.S. did not win a gold medal, but, you know, uh, there are and, – and that's part of the problem here in the United States is that if you don't win a gold medal, it, people think you failed half the time. You know, and it's – it's there was a column – I think it was Dan Wetzel uh, wrote a column yesterday that was um, – on yahoo.com about the fact that the way the United States counts medals is a joke. Basically saying, well, the U.S. may have more medals, 
but China has more gold medals. So the way the U.S. counts, you know, medals is ridiculous. It should be just about gold medals. And if you look at the medal count right now, the United States has 89. China has 73. They lead the pack by far. China has 33 goals. The United States has 29 goals. And they're going to have more than that. And, you know, China, you know, may, uh, uh, may get a couple more. But at the end of the day, why is it just about gold medals? And that's the problem. You know, that's, that's the problem I had with this column. He's like, well, this is, you know, counting total medals is like a participation trophy. Hang on, dude. 89 total medals. And when you think about the fact that only three medals are given out in every event and there are, you know, uh, so many countries represented that want to win these medals and you have to, in many cases, beat, you know, a hundred or, you know, a hundred people to win one of those three medals. Why shouldn't a bronze medal be celebrated just as much as a gold medal? You know, that's part of the problem. When you have idiots like this guy talking about, well, only gold medals count. That's what the problem is today with the United States or with the world in general. If you're not the winner, then you're a loser. Right? You know, everybody talks about who won the NBA championship, who won the World Series. You know what? Think about this, though. How many other teams, every other team in any professional sport would give anything to be in a situation to be in the final? And, yeah, of course you want to win it. But what's wrong with finishing second? You know, this win or nothing mentality, there's, that's a problem. I remember when I was uh, I first started working in colleges. I was working at a little Division three school up in Springfield, Massachusetts, Western New England College. We had a guy that was on our wrestling team there, a kid by the name of Rodney Smith, and I was there when he was an undergraduate wrestling. He went to the Olympics in Greco-Roman wrestling and won a bronze medal. A young kid that you know goes to the Olympics from a little tiny podunk, you know college in Springfield, Massachusetts, and wins a bronze medal. That is the greatest accomplishment of that kid's life, no matter what else he does in his life, unless he goes to an Olympics and wins a, a gold, which, you know, he didn't. That was his one and only shot at the Olympics. And he goes in there and he wins a bronze medal. Greatest thing that's ever happened to this kid. So don't tell me, Dan Wetzel, or anybody else, that winning a silver or a bronze doesn't count. If you don't win a gold, it doesn't count. That's a load of crap. And that's part of the problem. And, and look, I don't agree with participation trophies, but winning a silver or a bronze is not a participation trophy. A participation trophy would be somebody who finished 12th getting a medal. They don't do that. You get, there's three given out in each event. Those are not participation medals. So I think the United States or any country should celebrate the fact that they have won a silver medal or a bronze medal. Do you think that uh, Simone Biles, who sat out almost the entire Olympics with the, uh, the twisties and the emotional issues that she was having, when she came back and she finished third in the balance beam and won a bronze medal, do you think that that medal meant less to her than any of the gold medals that she's won? I'm going to tell you something. I'll bet it means more because she had to overcome a lot to win that medal. 
So don't tell me that it doesn't count. You know, and I don't look at the end of the day. I don't care if the United States wins more medals than China. And, you know, they're they're going to. And, but that doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter who wins more gold. It just doesn't. What matters is, is for each one of these kids that wins a medal, it is the greatest accomplishment of their life, period. So I, 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 you don't want to see anybody, whether it's a, a, a columnist online, a columnist in a newspaper, uh, a TV reporter, or some moron online talking about, well, you, you finished third, so you suck. Because that's essentially what you're saying when you're telling me that, you know, the total numbers of medals that a country wins doesn't matter. It's only about the golds. That's just absolute garbage. You know, why don't you tell that to, uh, you know, some country like, you know, I, I don't even know, uh, you know, some country that's never won a medal and yet they'll win a, uh, you know, they win a bronze medal. They're going to be national heroes for that. So, but in the United States, if you don't win a gold, you suck. You know, you know come on. Um, and speaking of medals, we, uh, the United States might have another medalist coming up. Nellie Corda yesterday uh, in women's golf. She's right now the number one player in women's golf in the world. She nearly shot a 59 yesterday, which would have been incredible. I mean, 59 is kind of the gold standard. If you shoot under 60, you've done something because it's only happened a handful of times. She went to the 18th hole yesterday with a chance to shoot 59. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Uh, now, she ended up with a double bogey on the last hole because uh, uh, she uh, uh, her tee shot went uh, into... Uh, uh, the rough, and she knew that there was a, a pine tree branch blocking her approach to the green. There was no way she was going to get to the green. Uh, so, you know, she ends up taking a double bogey. And despite that, she shot a 62, which tied an Olympic record in women's golf, and has a four-shot lead. Can you imagine if she had parred that hole? She could have had a six-shot lead going in. Uh, to the third round. She's got a four-shot lead going into round three, and it's possible that today's third round could be the last one. There is a tropical storm headed to Japan, and so there is a chance that they will not be able to play the fourth round of this tournament on Saturday. Uh, they're actually pushing up the, uh, the uh, Friday tea times earlier to try to beat the heat, and then they're going to try to push the tee times up early on Saturday in hopes that perhaps they can get the round in uh, before the tropical storm gets to Japan, but people are not optimistic about that. But uh, great job by Nelly Corda yesterday. I watched probably about half this round, you know, and I know I had get a life, right, dude? <laughs> but I watched it, and, and it was fun. You know, and what's fun is, you know, um, Again, here is a great story. You know, when we want to talk about whether somebody sucks if they don't win a gold medal. Uh, right now, there is um, a woman from India. Now, India golf is not a huge thing in India. But um, there is a young lady from India right now that is sitting, I believe, in third place. And she led this tournament after the first round. She was tied for the lead. 
And now I believe she is uh, tied. I think she's in third. Her name is Aditi Ashok. She's ranked like 200th in the world. Nobody's ever heard of this woman. And yet here she is in medal position in the Olympics. If she wins a medal in golf, two things are going to happen. Number one, she's going to be a national hero. But number two, that sport is going to explode in that country. All of a sudden, you're going to have little girls from all over that country that want to learn to play golf so they can be uh, like their hero. She's 23 years old. This would be the greatest accomplishment of her life. She's only got one bogey in the first two rounds. That's how well she's playing. It's crazy. So, you know, again, perspective, you know, and for, you know, people to think that gold's the only thing that matters, you know, you've got to get some perspective in your life. You know? Uh, so, anyway, that's the our Olympic update for the morning. Uh, let's get to uh, baseball from last night. And uh, as one of my favorite social media accounts on Twitter put it, uh, it's red. By the way, if you haven't checked this guy out, if you are a, a Red Sox fan, actually, if you're a baseball fan, this guy is hysterical. Um, he also has a blog. It's called Surviving Grady. You've got to check this guy out. I think, it's, I think his... Uh, I think his Twitter handle is at Surviving Grady. I'm going to have to check that. But this guy is absolutely hysterical. And last night he says, uh, our long national nightmare is over, Red Sox fans. Yeah, it is. It's at Surviving Grady. He's on Twitter. He's a riot. He's, got a, he's even got like a puppet that he does. And this guy, I mean, and he's, uh, he's profane. I mean, if, you're, if, you're, if you don't like swearing, uh, you may not like this guy. Uh, he does videos sometimes with this hand puppet. <laughs> It's just, and this guy, I mean, I just, the guy, he should be a stand-up comedian and he's like just a regular Joe. He's, you know, he goes and punches the clock nine to five, but man, when it comes to baseball, he's as passionate as they come. Uh, he's great. Uh, anyway, so, uh, he said our long national nightmare is over and it is as the Red Sox beat the Detroit Tigers last night, four to one. Uh, they used the long ball last night. JD Martinez with his first home run since July 21st. Think about that for a moment. This is a guy who was a player of the month uh, this year. At one point was hitting like about 315. He has slumped mightily since uh, uh, the middle of July. Since the All-Star break, he has really uh, been struggling. Uh, matter of fact, his last 15 games, his last 30 games even, he's, he's only hitting 255. But he hits his 21st home run of the season last night. And, you know, he's still got 68 runs batted in. It's not like this guy stinks. But he has been in a funk. Well, he hit one last night, uh, a solo shot to right center field uh, in the second inning to give the Red Sox the one nothing lead. Uh, Kike Hernandez, his 15th home run of the year, a two-run homer to left that made it 3 nothing in the fifth. And then Jaron Duran hit one the next time up, the next guy up, back-to-back shots, a solo shot to left field. Matter of fact, he didn't even think that ball was out. He looked like the most surprised guy in the building. Uh, it was kind of a line drive to left, and it didn't. It really didn't look like it was going to go out. Uh, but it did. Uh, you know, and look, he's, uh, we, if you've looked at the forearms of this kid when they brought him up, I mean, everybody talks about what great speed he has, and 
know, this is a guy didn't hit for a lot of power in college, didn't hit for a lot of power early in his minor league career, and then made a swing adjustment and hit 15 home runs in AAA this year, and now he's got two in the major leagues. But if you look at this guy's forearms, they're immense. Uh, and matter of fact, there was a picture of him in Worcester, like with a, uh, a tank top on. His arms are huge. And this guy has got world-class speed. And yet his his arms looks like he should be, uh, you know, a lumberjack or something. Holy cow. Uh, so he hits that line drive out. And uh, so the Red Sox used the long ball and some pretty good pitching from Erod. I don't want to get carried away, Eduardo Rodriguez. Now, he did strike out 10 over five innings, only gave up two hits, but he walked four, struggled with his location, and he only went five. Threw 99 pitches in five innings. You know, now it takes a lot of pitches to strike guys out. You know, you can get a a pop-up on one pitch, but, you know, if you're going to strike a guy out, you're usually throwing five, six pitches to strike a guy out, so it's going to get your pitch count up. But even be that as it may, four walks, not a good thing in five innings. But considering how he had been his last couple of starts and the way the Red Sox uh, starting rotation period has been, in that five-game losing streak, folks, the Red Sox ERA was over nine. 9.7, which means they were allowing over nine runs a game. Think about that for a minute. (laughs) And they only had one guy reach five innings in those last five games. So I guess getting the five from Erod yesterday was a manna from heaven. Uh, Then four relievers combined. The only run that came in last night for the Tigers was a home run by Jonathan Scope in the seventh inning off of Josh Taylor, who'd been so good lately. Taylor did strike out two in the inning, but... Gave up the homer to scope. And then Adovino and Matt Barnes finish it up. The Red Sox struck out 18 Detroit Tigers last night. 18. And look, and the Red Sox, you know, they got the four runs, which is great, you know, but they still struggled with runners in scoring position. Just one for 11 last night with runners in scoring position. And the offense was a big part of the reason why the Red Sox were in that five-game slide to begin with. So I don't want to get too giddy about last night. It's great that they won the game. But they still showed a lack of ability to get hits in big spots. And that has to be concerning. You know, and, and you know, it's great that J.D. hit a home run. But Rafi Devers, you know, again, continues to struggle. He left a small village on base by himself. Uh, you know, it was good to see Alex Verdugo get a couple of hits last night. But, uh uh, you know, they need some guys to step up with runners in scoring position because it, this is not sustainable if they don't start driving runners in when they get them on base. You know, the Red Sox, when you look at their line last night, they had 11 hits. You know, 11 hits and a couple of walks. So you, you get 13 guys, you know, that reach base and you only score four runs. That's an issue. So... Uh, other news for the Red Sox, um, Darwinson Hernandez is headed to the uh, injured list. It looks like they did an MRI and uh, he has an oblique strain. It's worse than the team originally thought it was. He's going to need some treatment. He could be out for a while. Oblique strains for pitchers, not a good sign. You know, he, they could be without him for a few weeks. Uh, they said that Matt Andrees threw live batting practice in Worcester on Wednesday. I don't care. Please God, don't bring him back. Matt Andrees has been a human gas can this year. Every time they brought him into a game, uh, it has gotten really ugly really quick. 
Uh, the other encouraging thing is Ryan Brazier, who's not pitched all year, has been coming back from a concussion. He took a line drive off the head uh, in spring training, and uh, he has not been right. And he is getting closer. There's no timetable, but the fact that he continues to throw bullpen sessions and is thrown to a few live batters uh, is a good sign. I mean, that's a guy that could make a difference. He was one of their best relievers last year. Uh, so uh, it, it would be great if he's able to come back. As far as Andres goes, please, God, just shoot him into the sun. We don't, we don't want to see him. Red Sox managed to uh, hold serve because the Rays won yesterday. They beat the Seattle Mariners for the first time this season. They finished the season series against Seattle 1-6, uh, and six, but they win yesterday 4-3, and they had to hang on for dear life to do it. Uh, Seattle had a couple of opportunities late, but uh, Ryan Sheriff came on and picked up his first save of the season. Uh, Josh Fleming got the win for Tampa, raised his record to 9-5, two runs and five hits, struck out six over five innings uh so a uh, a win for the Rays so they maintain their lead over Boston in the AL East at one game the Yankees win as well they beat the Baltimore Orioles 10 to 3 um the last couple of games I think they outscored them 23 to 4 the Orioles won the first game of that series and then the Orioles just pounded them 23 to 4 in the next two uh John Carlos Stanton, a big game last night. Uh, he drove in three, had a couple of hits. DJ LeMay, who three hits, four runs, batted in. Uh, so the Yankee bats certainly weren't having any problems last night. Matt Harvey got the start for Baltimore, came in with a, a 18 and a third scoreless inning streak. Uh, he got it up to 21 innings, uh, two and two thirds in this one. Uh, but Anthony Rizzo took him out. Uh, in the fourth inning uh, with no outs in the fourth, or excuse me, with one out in the fourth. Rizzo takes him out his 17th of the year. And uh, uh, this is a guy that in his first six games with the Yankees has six runs batted in. I believe that was his third home run as a Yankee. So uh, that trade has paid immediate dividends. Uh, Jamison Tyon got the start for the Yankees uh, went six and a third, did not factor in a decision. Jonathan Loizaga actually got the win, uh, got two outs to pick up his eighth win of the season. Uh, and that's because, really, I mean, you got to give the Orioles credit. Uh, you know, they battled with the Yankees. This was a 3-3 game going into the bottom of the seventh. But the Yankees scored five in the bottom of the seventh and two in the bottom of the eighth uh, and uh, end up winning the thing easily. Uh, and the Yankees are now... Nine games over 500. That matches the best they have been over 500 all season. So they are still six back of the Rays, five back of the Red Sox, only four in the loss column. Uh, so they managed to hold serve as well, as do the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays beat the Indians yesterday 8-6. to six. Steven Matz, another strong start for Toronto, picked up his ninth win of the year, six shutout innings. He struck out eight over six innings. He did allow six hits, but... Uh, uh, a good job. The uh, bullpen tried to cough it up. <laughs> Toronto built a big lead, uh, but uh, Cleveland just couldn't get enough runs at the end. But Toronto led this thing 8 nothing after three. But then Cleveland scored four in the eighth and two in the ninth uh, just to make it look good. Uh, George Springer, by the way, his 13th home run of the season. He was four for five, three runs batted in, including a leadoff homer. Uh, it was the second straight game by, that he has had a leadoff homer, and that was his, uh, I believe, the 42nd 
leadoff homer of his career. So uh, since coming off the injured list, uh, George Springer has really picked it up. Uh, and despite the fact that their pitching staff gave up 15 hits, they still beat Cleveland yesterday uh, by a final of 8-6. to six. So you look at the standings, and now the Rays are seven back. They sit in fourth place. They're only a game back of the Yankees. They're seven back of Tampa, six back of the Red Sox. So that's where we stand in the American League East. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at how the Mets did last night. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 36 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. So, you know, one of the things I was, uh, when I was scrolling through this morning, uh, in Chicago, the uh, Cubs are going uh, before the Commission on Chicago Landmarks today. Uh, Wrigley Field is considered a, uh, a city landmark. Uh, they are going before the, that commission today to uh, lobby to put a two-story addition onto um, Wrigley Field. Uh, it's going to be like 22,000 square feet. And why do they want to do this? I mean, is it to add fans or amenities like that? No. It's to put in a sports book, to put in a gambling operation that is attached to a major league ballpark. That This, uh, to me... This is just awful. Come on. A sport that has a history of problems with gambling. The Chicago Black Sox scandal in 1919 where the White Sox threw a World Series So, guy, after guys took bribes. Pete Rose, who is banned from the Hall of Fame and from baseball because he bet on baseball games. And yet you are going to allow or potentially allow them to add a gambling operation to your ballpark, an annex to your ballpark. That is un. Conscionable. <laughs> I just, uh, I don't, I don't even know where to go with that, other than to say I hope to hell the commission says uh, not just no, but hell no. You know, and they're like they're, they're going to sell it to the city because whoa, hey, you'll get annual annual licensing fees. You know, you'll get, you know, between twenty five and $50,000 a year. Now, of course, in order for it to happen, they still have to get a license to open a sports book. But you cannot have a major league ball team running a gambling operation. Unreal. I, I just hope that this is not allowed. And I, I, I would love to see Major League Baseball step in. But when you have a history in your sport of gambling issues, how in the hell can, if you are Rob Manfred, you've got to be looking at this and going, oh, hell no. 
you know, this is just about greed. I'm sorry. You know, these guys are already billionaires. And you're going to get greedy and want to, you know, and it's already bad enough that every damn professional sports league has gotten into bed with gamblers. And I look, if you want to gamble, I don't care. But we shouldn't have our sports leagues in bed with these people. It is a recipe for corruption. Look how many times we've had uh, match-fixing scandals in tennis. You know, I mean, we, we had issues with it in college basketball over the years. When you allow gamblers access to your sport, direct access to your sport, you are inviting trouble. Look what's going on in the NHL now where there's a, uh, you know, rumors that one of their players bet on his own team's hockey games. You, you just you can't have this. Just insanity. Man, so I, I, I hope that. I hope that, A, the city blows it up, and if the city doesn't, I hope Major League Baseball steps in and says no. I'm afraid they won't because they've got, you know, these gambling operations, DraftKings and FanDuel and all this stuff so far up their behinds that I'm not sure you can put the genie back in the bottle, but there's got to be some limits to this somewhere. Doesn't there? You know, and I know that in Europe, you know, especially in England, there's this this huge culture of gambling on everything. I'm sorry, I just don't, uh, you know, uh, no. You know, there's another. There was another story this morning with gambling. You know, the the, the Bally has taken over uh, now is uh, a big uh, instead of Fox Sports, it's uh, Bally had bought out a lot of the Fox Sports franchises, and now they want to uh, get access to Major League Baseball games. So that they can, uh, somebody can pick to watch an individual game and pay to watch an individual game. And when they watch that game, there will be all kinds of gambling opportunities on that game while they are watching it. Jesus, what's, I, and I'm sorry, you want to gamble? Go ahead. But I don't think that the sports league should be inviting this kind of thing, it's going to turn things into a three-ring circus, and it is eventually, go- there's going to be corruption. There's no way not to. Look, in since gambling began, I mean, how did gambling bega- begin? It began illegally. It began, book, bookies, you know, you had people taking bets on corners. You know, and then it goes to Vegas, and you get the casinos and everything else. Well, who was running that? The Mafia. You think it wasn't rigged? I mean, come on. And you're not going to tell me that these gambling operations that are going on now are much different. Yeah, okay, they may be, you know, quote-unquote legitimate, but to to try to tell me that there isn't some shady stuff going on or the potential for some shady stuff to go on, I was born at night, but I was not born last night. So please... Chicago blow this idea up and if they don't let MLB blow it up or let the state of Illinois say uh no Cubs you are not running a gambling operation somebody please rain on this parade in a hurry so we'll keep an eye on that one because I just uh, just kind of turns my stomach just thinking about it and I'm not a gambler 
All right. And, and it's not that I am morally opposed to gambling. If you want to gamble and lose all your money, knock yourself out. But my, my attitude is, is if you can't afford to lose it, don't bet it. And the problem is, is that 99% of the people that are doing the gambling can't afford to lose it yet. They do in bunches. So, uh, as, as Dave Massey just pointed out on Facebook that, uh, MLB owners may be rich, but they may not be the smartest bunch. That's that's pretty accurate. I mean, I, I just don't see how any owner can think this is a good idea. I just don't. Hey, you know what? Why don't the I don't I think the Cincinnati Reds should open up one and call it the Pete Rose Sportsbook. Why don't we do that? You know, why don't why don't we have the Chicago White Sox do the same thing and call it the uh, Eddie Seacott Sportsbook? What the hell? We might, you know, if we're going to do it, we might as well pay homage to the people that, uh, you know, were crooked to begin with. And I, by the way, I still believe Pete Rose belongs in the Hall of Fame. You know, and I don't care whether he gambled, you know, on baseball or not when he was managing the Cincinnati Reds. He is the all-time hits leader in Major League Baseball. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, period. You know, you you can put whatever you want on his plaque and say that, you know, he got banned for, for gambling and, you know. But at the end of the day, this guy was the all-time hits leader. He didn't cheat to do that. He may have gambled, but he didn't cheat. You know, but, you know, you, you, you can't say, by the way, that, you know, even if he was gambling when he was a player, and we don't know whether he was, but he probably was. But this guy, this guy had over 4,000 hits. You know, you're not... He wasn't, it wasn't like he was betting against himself. You know, Barry Bonds to me is a different story because Barry Bonds cheated to be the all-time home run leader. He was on roids. You know, what he did, what A-Rod did, what anybody did on steroids to me, if you can prove that they did, and we already know that Barry Bonds did, we already know that A-Rod did, they don't belong in the Hall of Fame. You know, there are gray areas. I mean, people think that Mike Piazza was on roids. Guess what? He's in the Hall of Fame, and there's still rumors that he was on roids. They've never proven that Roger Clemens was on steroids. The anecdotal evidence says he might have been, but that's never been proven. Matter of fact, he was vindicated in a court of law. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. But if you can prove somebody cheated, then they don't. But Pete Rose didn't cheat to get over 4,000 hits, so he belongs in the Hall of Fame. But this whole idea of gambling being attached to Major League Sports is disturbing. At the minimum, it's disturbing. I went off on a tangent I didn't plan on going off on. Uh, quickly, the Mets win last night. Javi Baez, a tie-breaking homer in the eighth inning. Uh, Mets snapped their three-game losing streak. They beat the Marlins 5-3. So the Mets maintain their lead in the National League East, and it is a tenuous one, to be sure. It's only a game and a half. Why? Because the Phillies won again last night. Their winning streak is now at four. They beat the Nationals 9-5. Uh, to five. Reese Hoskins, a home run, three runs batted in. Didi Gregorius with a two-run bomb as well. Uh, so the Phillies, uh, two games over 500 and breathing down the Mets next. The Cardinals won I mean, excuse me, the Braves beat the Cardinals. They're back to 500 now, two and a half back. Uh, the Mets margin for error 
not very big. Carlos Carrasco got the start last night. was was pretty good for the Mets. Uh, and uh, the bullpen managed not to completely blow the thing. So the Mets hang on for the victory and hang on to that lead in the National League East. It is 48 minutes past the hour. We've got to take one more break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. By the way, the Red Sox game this afternoon uh, is, is <laughs> Red Sox game today is an afternoon game. It is a 1-10 start. Uh, this afternoon as the Red Sox go for the series win over the Detroit Tigers. And, you know, I don't want to get overly dramatic, but, you know, look, you got to win this one. They are going up to play the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, which includes a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, they have got to win this series. you got to go up there with some kind of momentum. That is a very scary Toronto team. Back in their home field in Toronto for the first time since 2019. Uh, you know, and, and look, you know, uh, uh, Chris Sale's coming, but Chris Sale's only going to pitch once every five or six days, folks. Chris Sale is not the answer. They need the other guys to step up, and, uh, you know, hopefully the Erod thing last night was the beginning of uh, good things, but uh, they, don't have, uh, they don't have a lot of room left to screw around here. Uh, the National League West, the uh, San Francisco Giants got back on the right track last night. Uh, beating the Arizona Diamondbacks 8-1. to one. Uh, Kevin Gaussman, six solid innings last night for the Giants. He had struggled his last couple of starts out. Uh, last three starts, actually. He had an ERA of almost nine. But last night, six innings, five hits, one run. He struck out eight, didn't walk anybody. Picked up his 10th win of the season. Uh, Donovan Solano with a home run. Uh, Alex Dickerson, a three-run shot. And uh, so they cruise to a seven to one victory last night uh they needed to do that why because the dodgers uh won again last night they beat the houston astros seven to five max scherzer makes his dodger debut last night goes seven two runs five hits he struck out 10 uh picked up his ninth win of the year for his first in a dodger uniform he left the game uh, to a standing ovation, tipped his cap to the crowd, went back into the dugout, and the crowd just wouldn't stop clapping. He actually had to come out uh, for a curtain call. He's never done that in his, his career. Uh, so, uh, you know, he gave the Dodgers exactly what they needed. Uh, Kenley Jansen gave up a, uh, a two-run bomb in the ninth inning to uh, make it a little bit closer than it was, but the Dodgers win it 7-5. Uh, but Houston scored three of their five runs in the final two innings after the game had long been decided. Uh, Mookie Betts, two home runs last night. He is on fire. He's now got 17 this season. Uh, how about a tough night for Jose Altuve? Struck out four times in four at-bats, uh, which, as you might imagine, the Dodger crowd absolutely loved. Scherzer got him three times, and then uh, Kenley Jansen struck him out as well. So a tough night uh, for Jose Altuve. Uh, but now you look at the American League West. It Things are, uh, well, everybody holds serve except for the Padres. The Padres lose to the Athletics yesterday 5-4 in 10 innings, and it was a Matt Olson two-run walk-off double, the difference in this one. Uh, Joe Musgrove got the start for San Diego. He of the uh, first career no-hitter in Dodger, I mean in uh, Padre history, went six. He was good. Gave up just one run and two hits. Um, but Mark Melanson 
uh, coughed it up in the ninth inning. They went into the uh, into the inning with a 3-1 lead. All he needed to do was get three outs. Couldn't do it. Blew his fifth save of the season. And uh, uh, then they got one, uh, a couple of runs, Elson, off of uh, Tim Hill. Hill takes the loss, falls to five and six. Frankie Montas got the start for Oakland, was okay. Three runs in six innings. He struck out eight, didn't walk anybody. Alex Trevino ends up getting the win uh, in relief. But now with uh, the results from last night, with the giant victory, they remain three and a half ahead of the Dodgers. But now the Padres are seven back of San Francisco and three and a half back of the Dodgers. You know, uh, there has been some talk about whether Fernando Tatis is going to make it back or not. He insists he wants to play. Uh, they are talking about the possibility of surgery. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, the good news, though, for the Padres, Denilson Lamette is beginning a rehab assignment uh, in Lake Elsinore, their low A team. Uh, tonight, he's been on the injured list since June 27th. He's been on the injured list actually three times this season. They need to get him back. Uh, David Weathers is going to uh, uh, pitch against the Arizona Diamondbacks. That three-game series begins tomorrow. And then Chris Bassett is going to pitch for Oakland. They start a three-game series on Friday against uh, the Texas Rangers. Uh, and by the way, I mean, Oakland's trying to stay close to Houston. They're four and a half back now. I still don't think they're ever going to catch Houston. I think Houston may still be the best team uh, in the American League, regardless of what the Rays are doing. Um, but uh, giving some o the Oakland fans some hope uh, with the victory yesterday. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with a, another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you can uh, join us. We're going to leave you this morning with some music from Pin Monkey. It's called I Drove All Night. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.